Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about something that the beginning of this week, I was like, man, I just felt God saying to me, this is something you've spoken about a few times at City Hill, we need to talk about it again. And I, I, I really felt like I needed this in my life. And I didn't realize how much I needed this in my life again until Friday when I had burnout and my body shut down at work and I had to go home because I was absolutely exhausted. My body was done and I just laid in the bed, checked out. And it was only yesterday about one o'clock I started to feel better. So we're looking at Sabbath today. This is something that I guess I kind of grew up in a Christian home where this didn't really make much sense to me. My dad used to, I remember my dad would come home from church and he'd lay on the sofa and have a rest. And that kind of looked like Sabbath. And I wasn't allowed to do certain things. And my parents would never do any shopping on the Sabbath. They'd make sure that they had the petrol in the car um, beforehand and everything was prepared, the food already in advance. My parents did nothing on the Sabbath, which for Christians generally is a Sunday, even though Jewish and, and biblically speaking, it's a Saturday anyway, but hey, whatever. Um, so they would do that and be really strict about it. And like, I couldn't go play football with my friends. I had to stay in and, and do whatever. And it just didn't really make a lot of sense. It was only, I think a couple years ago, I started to look at a number of things and it started to really speak to me. And I think the first thing that it spoke to me about was the idea that people were enslaved in Egypt where all they ever did was make bricks. Every day was making bricks, 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 bricks. Seven days a week, there were no days off for anyone. All you did was build the empire. All that you did was build Egypt. And this people, when God delivered them from slavery, according to the Exodus, had this moment where, when Moses is receiving the law of God on the tablets of stone, one of the key elements was the Sabbath. This was a unique thing that no one else, no civilization, no other society on the face of the earth at the time had this. There was one day off for everyone, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of class, regardless of creed. It didn't matter if a stranger came in amongst their people, they'd have to observe this if they wanted to interact with them. And so there was this new thing given. And I mean, hey, let's, let's be honest, even Rihanna knew this because she said, work, 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 work. She says six works. Even Rihanna knows the seventh day, you just chill and shut down. So I started to realize this was a beautiful thing. It was a gift that was given to them because they were slaves in Egypt. They come out of Egypt. And what happens with people who are in prison is they get all institutionalized. They're so used to living within a system that when they're outside of that system, it's about creating a whole new world. If you don't, they revert back to what they previously were. And we see that in the Exodus story because literally whilst Moses is up on this mountain forming their DNA of their culture and their society and what they're going to look like, The last thing that happens is God speaks to them about the Sabbath. It's literally, I'm not even kidding you. It's literally the last thing he says to the people before he comes back down the mountain. And it's in Exodus 31 verse 12. And this is a pretty crazy passage. So there's a few things I'm going to have to talk about afterwards, I guess, to expound on it a bit more. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You should keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days 
shall work be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work the Sabbath shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations, the covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses... When he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of testimony, the tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And then what happens is he comes down the mountain and the people are worshipping a golden calf. You literally couldn't write this. They come out of Egypt where you would worship these golden statues. Moses has left them for five seconds while he's up there forming with God the identity of this people, the DNA, who they're going to be now that they're out and they're in the free world and everything's open to them. And the thing they do is they resort back to what they've known before. And so God gives them this unique identity. And I found it so strange that actually when you look at like the top 10 hits of the Ten Commandments, you have the first three which are about God. The fourth one is Sabbath. Then after that is like don't steal, don't murder and all those kind of things after it. So in the middle is Sabbath, right after the ones containing to who God is and respecting God, honoring God, not blaspheming God and keeping him as who he is. The fourth one is Sabbath before we move on to our actions, the big crimes we commit in society. You see, the funny thing is, I know being a dad that actually when your kids are tired and they're screaming, if you're tired at the point they're screaming and going berserk as a baby, leaving them out on the balcony is tempting when you're tired. Screaming at your kids is tempting when you're tired. Beating the heck out of your kids is tempting when you're tired. When you're sane and refreshed, there's no temptation there. You're just like, I want you to learn, I want you to grow, I want you to develop. But when you're tired, you go cray cray. And actually, you know, we say it all along the British motorways, tiredness kills. There's signs everywhere. When you're driving and you're tired, it's dangerous. When you live your life and you're tired, it's dangerous. So like the last thing he says, he's gone through all the law, all these details of society, masses and masses of information. The last bit that they're reminded about is literally keeping the Sabbath. And there's one thing that you'll notice there, and it's quite an interesting one, because I was reading it and I was like, this is, it says about put to death, no one, like from everywhere that I could see, people weren't killed for not obeying the Sabbath. That wasn't a thing that they did. One of the things you'll notice as well, and, and the thing that kind of proves it is it says, because it's holy for you, everyone who profanes the Sabbath shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul should be cut off from among his people. How are you cut off from among your people if you're already dead? You know what I mean? You, you can't be, because you've already been cut off from your people, you're dead. So then how does the follow on from that be, oh yeah, by the way, you'll be removed from everyone. Well, yeah, of course I'm removed from everyone, you donut. I'm in a graveyard. I'm dead. I'm six foot under. So the way that they would talk about this is that sometimes they'd talk about this as this is the kind of thing that God will move to you for, that God himself might bang, smite thee. Or the understanding is actually that if you do this action and this is the life you live, it leads to death. I can tell you what this week, it totally leads to death. It leads to such a bad, dark, dark place. And I meet so many friends, so many people down the years who've said to me they've had to go on this luxury holiday and when they're there, they come back and they go, oh, I needed that so badly. I needed that so badly. Oh, I didn't realize how broken I was until I went away and I had that rest and then I just started to feel this healing. Well, the funny thing is, is that, you know, there's a pill for that. God, God gave us Sabbath for a reason. It's a gift that he gave his people when they were coming out of slavery. And I still believe it's a gift and a good thing today so i want to talk to you guys a few things about the stuff that's on the sheet if you want to grab one of the magically colored pens that are around you feel free knock yourself out we're going to talk about six things today six key things to avoid the burnout that is death the first one i want to talk to you about is clothes 
So you see what happens, let's talk about Sabbath maybe as a Friday. So for me, it was helpful being a Friday. I used to work in alternative education, like with kids who were kicked out of school, kids in gangs and stuff like that. Crazy stressful. Some of the girls I was worried they were at risk of sexual exploitation. How do you then go home to your daughter and have fun? It's really hard to have fun after that. You've had a week like that, it's really hard to switch off. So for me, I used to do this thing where on a Friday when I'd leave work, I used to whisper, whistle, whisper. I used to whistle a tune I heard at Euro Disney when I was a kid, you know, zippity doo da, zippity day, my oh my, what a wonderful day. I would do that walking out of a proof. It doesn't matter if someone pulled a knife out that day, it doesn't matter if someone had been arrested, it doesn't matter what had happened. Every Friday, I whistled that as I walked out and told people I was living the dream. And I walked out and as I did that, what I was doing for me was I was mentally saying the week has come to a close. The week has come to a close. One of the things, if you work in that kind of an environment or in a high stress environment, whether that be in the medical sector, whether that be a, a crazy boss who's always on your case, on a Friday, you have to have closure. Because otherwise what happens is even if you're not going into work the next day, subconsciously, the anxiety of it is just lingering in there in the background. It's like an app that's just running on your phone, draining all the battery that you don't realize is draining the battery. It's just there in the back, background, running you down, running you down. But the great thing about Sabbath is, the six days come to a close and you bring it to a close. Like for me, I do that whistling. One of the things I also do is sometimes I would pray and I would talk to God and go, hey God, these are the things causing me anxiety. These things messing me up this week. I just bring them to a close right now. I leave them in your hands. I'm moving on, I'm not thinking about them, I'm forgetting about them. And then the whole weekend, I wouldn't think about them until a little while later on and we'll get to that. The next thing is celebrate. The next thing is celebrate. You know, I talk about Liverpool all the time because I'm a huge Liverpool fan. But one of the things I read recently was there were these reports that someone had written saying that they believe the Liverpool team must be doping. Jurgen Klopp gives them this vitamin juice that they drink after every game. They have less muscle strain, less injuries than other clubs. They have to be doping. This drink, this magic formula that he's given them, it's been tested by all sorts of people scientifically. There's nothing breaking any rules. There's no performance enhancing drugs in there. It's just literally that, vitamins in a liquid, and they drink it. And so they were like making this whole scandal that that's the reason they're performing so high. But actually one of the things that I've found is actually when you build a culture of celebration, it really energizes you. You can see it in football matches all the time. When a team scores a goal, the other team's performance drops. The psychological barriers that are there start to affect them. One of the three things I've heard coming out of three different Liverpool players' mouths when they were questioned about tiredness and performance was it came from James Milner, it came from, um, I think it was Henderson, and I think also heard it from Sadio Mane most recently. Sadio Mane said that tiredness is a state of mind, it's a mentality. And actually your legs feel heavier when you're losing in matches. But when you're winning in matches and you're doing well, you can run extra, you can go further, you push through. It has much more to do with the mind than most of us appreciate. I also read uh, something by a player recently who was talking about mental health this weekend. They were raising mental health in football and he was saying that he could break nutritional rules from his nutritionist. He could break fitness plans because even if he broke that and went and had a fish and chips the day before a game, which would be sacrilege for a footballer, he says it would still, he could perform better if his head was in the right place rather than if he had the fish and chips. He was like, your mental health, where your head is at matters so, so much. It's so important to find the right things to celebrate. Like when we only celebrate things like marriage, um, a baby being born, a child dedication, when we only celebrate these types of things, we limit the opportunity and the scope for celebration. If we're only celebrating a promotion and waiting for that, what happens when you don't really want to go anywhere else in your company? What happens when you don't want to go up any further? 
Are you going to stop celebrating? You're missing out on energy that can fuel you in life. You're missing out on those things. There are all sorts of things you can celebrate. One of my greatest achievements that I've ever celebrated is something that wouldn't mean anything or never get me more money or pay. But I remember as a kid, we had a bullying conversation at school. It got so bad in our final year that we were in tables all facing in on each other. And this one kid, who was now the toughest kid in the school, burst into tears and said about how when his mum had cancer, everyone made fun of him, slapped him, said, you're not going to have a mum anymore. He said, everyone picked on me and no one stood up for me except for one person. I remember that time so badly. I couldn't look at anyone. I had my head down. I was crying. I was so ashamed thinking like, wow. He said, everyone except for Andy Gray, except for me. I'd got bullied because I stuck up for him. I'd been bullied every day since that point up until that moment that I'd kind of blocked it out. And he said, thanks. And I'll never forget leaving because the teacher who orchestrated and oversaw that whole discussion was my English teacher and I'm dyslexic. He never had the opportunity to give me a really good piece of paper. He never had a good opportunity to give me a great grade. He never had the opportunity to give me a certificate in front of the school because my work would never warrant that. But that day, as we went to leave that room, he grabbed me at the end, put his arm around me, and he said, the moment he said there was one person, he said, I knew it was you. I knew it was you. And that for me was something that I've treasured for the rest of my life. That's something I celebrate and that fuels me in the work I do with children and young people. You've got to find the right things to celebrate. And they don't have to be things that other people would celebrate about you. They have to be things you're gonna celebrate. One of the key things I think, and I, I mean this week, hopefully when I get the laptop back, I'm gonna create a sheet to go on the fridge that you can just print out. And if you wanna do it weekly, you can do it weekly. If you don't wanna do it, don't do it at all. But I'm gonna do it for families, for couples, for, for singles, three different types of sheet that people can print out that they can stick on the fridge. Because obviously, if you're a family and you've got kids, you're gonna to wanna to find things about your kids to celebrate them. Because you know what? It's gonna fuel them the next week. It's gonna fuel them. And so like, say you bring everything to a close, closing down the stress, the next thing you do is celebrate. So the Friday, you have the best meal you have of the week. And you celebrate everyone's achievement. It doesn't matter whether that achievement is something that you necessarily or society necessarily respects, but you have to do it. Then the last thing on the top row is reopen. There comes a point on when your weekend is gonna to come to a close and you're gonna to have to reopen the things that gave you anxiety before. But how you do that, I believe, has to be so radically different. So what I used to do when I had like high-risk learners who were in grave, grave danger is it would come to the end of the weekend, I'd feel my stress levels go through the floor, I was great in a great place, and then it'd be coming up to the Monday and I would just say, Lord, that kid that is in that situation, God, you know, I'm reopening this now. I'm, I'm opening this back up. I want to think about this. I'm going to focus on this again. But God, I'm trusting you that you're going to be the difference in their life. I'm trusting you that you're going to do something amazing in that kid's life. You know, there, I can honestly say this from the bottom of my heart. Out of every single kid that was on my caseload that I ever had, every single one was better off for having me as their key worker. Every single one. And I could argue it face to face with each one of them and point out the reasons why. Because I know that when I reopen it and I put that focus in, I was believing for something different. Other key workers wouldn't go to their court cases. I'd go to their court cases and I'd help them bust case every time because I was believing for something more than them. But that was because I had this rhythm of bringing to a close, celebrating, reopening. And this week I realized this is something that I've lost, which is why we're talking about it today because I want this back in my life again because I felt so much healthier because of it. So I really want to encourage you, bring to a close, celebrate things with others, have a great, great meal, great time, reopening it, when the weekend comes to an end. Then here's the other thing, it's all about cease, what to do, defend. So we're talking about cease now on the bottom on the bottom row. 
So C, Sabbath is about ceasing from work. Ceasing from work and also ceasing from creativity. So not necessarily like painting or things like that, but say you're working, being creative in your thought process and how you work about things. If you have a downtime of a day every week where you shut down the creative process in your life, I guarantee the next time when you reopen the creative process, you'll be more creative than you've been for a long time. Ceasing from something doesn't stop you, it'll actually help you thrive when you reopen it. So actually the idea of having this downtime doesn't mean you then sit there working and scheming away at your greatest hits and your greatest projects that you wanna work on and achieve. It means ceasing from it, being still, getting well, getting that wholeness going ceasing so you've got to think about what things need to cease for you maybe for you for that 24-hour period it means social media ceases like you've got to switch that off maybe your thing is like watching reality tv maybe that's got to cease for that 24-hour period whatever it is that has to cease that's going to help you thrive and be the healthiest you can be you've got to choose what's going to cease in your life to have that rest that downtime then the next question becomes what to do what to do on it because that was my biggest problem as a kid my parents would talk to me about Sabbath, but they never told me what to do. It was always the things I couldn't do. And that for me just didn't work at all. I think you've got to, especially if you've got kids, uh, like I do, it's about writing a list together of the things we're going to do on this day. So whether that's doing puzzles, watching a movie together, um, reading, uh, going out for walks in the park, or different activities, it's getting that list written down that these are the things we're gonna to enjoy together, not me imposing the things we do or we don't do, but the things that we're gonna to enjoy together. So it's about finding the things that you're gonna cease and remove, the things you're gonna intentionally fill in that space. And then lastly, it comes down to defense, what you're gonna defend, what you're gonna build a fence around. You see, the things in your life that are holy to you, the things in life that matter to you, you build a fence around them. When you have a relationship with someone that is growing and growing and growing, there comes a point where one person potentially, generally speaking in society, tends to have a moment where they decide, I'm gonna buy a ring that's gonna cost me a lot of money and I'm gonna get down on one knee because I wanna build a fence around this. Because this relationship now is really special to me and it's now reached this position where I want a fence around it. I want a fence around it, I want parameters here that have never been here before because this, this matters to me in that way. And that's the, the reason in the Christian tradition that you have this thing called marriage, that these people enter into something that defends this space where they make this relationship holy. Holy means separate, it's separate, there's a fence around it. Sabbath is holy to the Lord, it's meant to be holy to us like we read in that passage. It's meant to give us life, to protect us from death, and you have to build a fence around it. Now the fence that they put around it was, it, it, when it got to the nitty gritty of the law, was 2,000 cubits. I can't remember what that is in feet. If someone wants to Google it, feel free to Google it for me. But 2,000 cubits, that's what they measured. I remember reading it a few years ago and I remember it being not that big a distance. You could go 2,000 cubits from your home on the Sabbath. What's funny is how this evolved over time because society grew in that. So it moved from being 2,000 cubits from literally your front door, then it moved to your gate, then eventually it moved to your village, your town, then it became your city, and then that was it. And then they go, but what if you're traveling a great distance to another foreign land? So then does the carriage that you're on with your horse or camel or whatever, does that become your home for that period and you stay within the 2,000 cubits of that thing? Now, all of that is comical and how that works out, but it's to show there's a level of flexibility that the interpretation of the law amongst the rabbis changed over time and it changes for us as well but also it's actually putting up a boundary around this time that you intentionally know this is the boundary we will not break this is the boundary for us as a family that we're going to agree on or for us in our relationships or as us as an individual that we're going to put up that we're not going to compromise on 
So like, say you've got a whole thing with the gym. This is time I'm going to have with the gym. I'm not compromising on this. This is my downtime. doesn't matter if someone messages me with a great opportunity. This time gets protected. doesn't matter if there's like work wants me to do something. This time is protected. This time is sacred. This time is important. You've got to decide where the fence is going to be. And this fence doesn't move unless you renegotiate with your partner, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, husband, your wife. Your, your child or, or your family as a unit, you've got to know where you draw the line. I honestly generally believe, and I know this to be true because of a time in my life where I was at a place where I was so broken and I physically couldn't move forward anymore. This helped me a ton. And it was so ironic that I felt on Monday, God saying, you need this again. And then on Friday, I completely broke and my body shut down again. And I was like, you're totally right. I do need this again. I need this back in my life. I need that rhythm again. Because you know what? It's, it's not going to work just having this one-off luxury holiday every year. Every six days. Get that health in there. Get that, get that joy in there. Let me tell you, when you bring things to a close, you're not worrying about... And the great thing is, you know, any debt creditors, anything like that, they don't operate at the weekend. They shut down as well. They don't chase you the weekend. You shut down. Those stressful situations work. They shut down, they shut down. Those stuff, all that stuff, you just gotta bring it to a close. Bring it to a close, trust in God, and then celebrate with those around you. And also, I mean, celebrate as a family, but also as a family, start to discuss, have the discussion like, who are we gonna bring in on this celebration? There could be people you bring in with you on this journey to celebrate with and have this awesome, special time. I know some people that do this and they have some amazing moments with friends who are like, what? I didn't know this is what Sabbath is. I didn't know this was a celebration. I didn't know this was like a whole thing. I, I just had this crazy idea about it. But this is like, so as we do this series, give us our daily meds. The reason I wanted to bring this up today is because I believe that God has given us something good. I believe it's something that refreshes us. I believe it's there to give us life. I believe that sometimes we look at this and he warns three times before Moses leaves the mountain to come down to the people to find them doing something that leads to death. Three times, this is death, this is death. This will cut you off from the people. This will lead you to a bad place. Don't forsake this. Get this rest in your life. Rest is best. And sometimes we have this idea in our society, Western society, keep moving, keep moving, chase, 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 until we hit the limit and we burn out. I'm going to pray for us today and then that'll be it for this week. Father, I thank you that you have provision for us to find rest and to find rest in you. I pray, Lord, for those of us maybe who have anxiety, worries, fears, and uncertainty in different elements of our lives that cause us stress, I pray that this would help us to see that reduce greatly over time. That as we get into a rhythm of encountering rest in such a beautiful and wonderful way, that as we celebrate the things that are happening in our lives, we would find new energy, that we would find new purpose and new joy, Lord. And actually, as we reopen, we would look to you in faith knowing that you're about to do something absolutely fantastic in each of our lives. Father, I pray that you help each one of us to know the areas in our life where we need to cease and also the things we need to do to find joy and to find rest and purpose in that space and in that time. And Father, I pray that you'd help us all to put those boundaries around our lives that are really going to defend the spaces most important to us to help us have that health and wellness and rest in Jesus' name. Amen. really hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.london we are the life, we are.
Thank you.